Kyle, I need help. Someone almost killed me last night, and I need you to tell me how you defeated all your past boyfriends. Someone almost killed you last night? That's not the point. You think I defeated my exes? Well, yeah. Why else wouldn't they still be with you? We need to have a talk about how relationships work, Just Zach. tell me! No, this isn't Scott Pilgrim. Besides, I have to finish this poem about how much I love my cat. What rhymes with gleaming? Think of anything. Oh, fuck it. I'll just use effulgent. Oh, that's great. Rhymes with perfectly with bulging it, like how your heart feels when you look at the cat. <sighs> this week, the Buffy gays recount their pasts and discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 5, Episode 7, Fool for Love. We'll learn a polarizing character's backstory while we break down the episode and share some behind-the-scenes trivia. We'll compose a poorly worded poem without a rhyming dictionary and rate the episode on a scale of 1 to 10 stakes. And we'll discuss the queer themes and gayest moments of the episode while we turn ourselves on violence. So go grab your pool cue, make sure to pack some grenades, and don't forget where you stored your shotgun on this week's episode of Buffy Gate. Hello all, I'm Kyle. And I'm Zach. And we're a couple of small town gays who love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Together, we'll examine each episode of this trailblazing series through the lens of our own queer experiences. We'll dive deep into the stacks to break down each episode, share some behind-the-scenes trivia at Scooby meetings, and explore queer themes as we stand against the forces of darkness. So whether you're a first-time watcher or you've been a fan since the old ones walked the earth. We invite you to join weekly patrols of the Sunnydale streets with your Buffy Buffy Gaze. Zachary. Hello, Kyle. How might you be doing this fine afternoon? I'm all right. My, uh, I'm getting the start of some sort of cold or something, so I just want to address that, and uh, I'm not going to apologize for it, because <laughs> I don't think people should apologize for getting sick, but I am going to say it will probably affect the uh, audio quality, so... Uh, your voice is just kind of going to sound a little stuffy and be low. Be warned. Some people might think uh, it sounds better. Not that your original voice isn't good, but... You'll be like, ooh, I'm talking so low. Hey, uh, baby. <laughs> it's me, Zach. <laughs> I'm here to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> you should talk like that all episode. And That's gay perfect. shit. And gay shit. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm doing quite well. Uh, you were just saying we've had we've done so much this week. It has been a whirlwind. Since <laughs> since our last recording a week ago. Yeah, yeah, it's yes. it's crazy. Though. We're uh, we're back in we're back in our new semester. We are advancing in our chosen career path educations. Someone is a graduate student now. Yes, and someone is a working scientist. Yeah, well, in a lab anyway. <laughs> but yeah. Hey, you um, got a you got a a sciency assignment already? I do. You had to make a list of things you needed for an experiment. That's science. That's true. I'm sciencing girl. We sci- we science in we we computer in we doing shit. The scientists are sciencing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, oh, and 
I have been in such a good mood all week because mm. I am now part-time at my job because I, I am a graduate assistant at school now. I can attest to that, and this is going to sound shady, but <laughs> it's not. you have been helping around the apartment like exponentially more. It's because I've been sleeping around the same time every day. Yeah, and you're not like you know working all night and yeah i'm not awake at 2 p.m and then have to do like 20 things and then it's 10 p.m like you know i was sort of out of work for a long time and so i kind of took the mantle of most of the housework and you still help but like now it's just like you're just like helping with it every day and i'm like whoa and i have to not stop because otherwise i will stop forever (laughs) 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 i just have to keep going keep that streak woo all right, Zachary, do you want to get started talking about Fool for Love? Boy, do I. Boy, do I sure do. This is a very interesting episode. I really like it and it, it's it's one of those episodes where it just kind of just kind of like sets off all these lights in your brain and you're like, "Well, what about this? And what about that? And what does that mean?" And it's pretty great. Do you have any beside b- beside the scenes, behind the scenes ep- episodes, I behind the scenes <laughs> information about this episode, Zachary? <laughs> All right, now that that sentence is over. You know, a good podcast Let's talk would about <laughs> fool for love, baby. <laughs> a good podcast would have edited edited all that out, but we are lazy yeah. and we're not going to do it. <laughs> so we never claimed to be a good podcast. We did not. Uh so have fun listening to me not be able to talk. All right, Zach. All right. So fool for love. Okay, I'll stop. Stop. <laughs> Fool for Love first aired on Tuesday, November 14th, 2000, and was directed by doubly first-named director Nick Mark. Nick Mark! Previously directed Something Blue. Oh, I forgot about that. And um, this is also... Oh, did I say it? I did. November 14th. <laughs> so uh, this also aired simultaneously, well, not si- well, the same night as the Angel crossover episode, Darla... Oh, which features a lot of the flashback material in this episode. Oh, very interesting. I did not know that. So this episode, um, oh, maybe I should have done an angel report for this episode. I haven't seen much of season. I've I might have seen a few episodes of season two, but definitely not all of it. So I did not remember that that was. I didn't realize. I I would. I feel like that would be appropriate crossover stuff for an angel mo- report. But you know, whatever. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's why I asked you about it earlier. Um, so well, it just goes to show it, we'll have lots of uh, fun stuff to talk about when I watch most of Angel for the first time. Work. All right. So, this episode, um, speaking of Darla, marks the final appearance of Darla in this series. Ah, goodbye, Julie Ben. So I don't think we even see her in flashbacks again if i'm well she mistaken. to my knowledge she gets a lot of stuff to do in angel so yeah, she's I booked mean, and blessed booked and blessed yeah i i mean like, again could be wrong here i got this information from imdb and i think it's correct <laughs> but you should ju- you should use the buffy wiki instead yeah, the buffy wiki like i'm pretty sure somebody just copied and pasted oh. the buffy wiki <laughs> stuff into imdb damn someone needs to do a deep dive and clean up all this trivia stuff also, okay, I'll talk about it later. <laughs> All right. Um. So, yeah, this episode is the only episode in the Buffyverse, according to IMDb, that, uh-huh. that um, in which Angel appears in flashbacks, but in no present day scenes. Oh, interesting. So, like, Angel is not in any of the current. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. 
but he is in the flashbacks. Because in his flashback um, episodes in Buffy, he's there, and in Angel, he's the main character. So there's right. probably, I guess that just means there's no episode that's just a flashback. Yeah. Um, so let's see what. I should really start doing this in order. Okay. <laughs> so the uh, Boxer Rebellion scenes are uh-huh. actually directed by Tim Maneer. Oh, interesting. Because he wrote and directed the second part of the crossover in Darla. Oh. So it's like, not only do we have flashbacks that are sort of like for this episode, like Mm -hmm. they don't really, well, they're for this episode and Darla, but they don't really flashback to anything like outside of the story of this episode. Uh So it's not like a previous episode's flashback, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's like it's just interesting that that was totally directed by a different person. Um, this says that it is revealed that Spike's real name is William Pratt, but they I don't, I don't know that they ever say his last name. Maybe it's in the credits or something. Maybe that wouldn't really make sense though. Um, which is um the uh regular or like the non stage name of Boris Karloff. I also think Pratt as a last name is an interesting choice because Pratt is like British slang for like a stupid, foolish person. Uh-huh, like a Pratt fall. Uh-huh. And so, yeah. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. What else do we have here? Um, there's this little discussion about um, that Drusilla spy- siring Spike is contradictory to School Hard because it is. Spike <laughs> said that Angel sired him. Uh-huh. But um, I think I know what you're Joss Whedon uh-huh. said later that uh, sire is like anybody who is in your vampire that line is a f- ahead that of is you. That is bullshit. That is bullshit retcon. <laughs> was, Joss Whedon, you just made a mistake. It's okay. <laughs> that is such obvious retconning. But it does work. I mean, I think it's not like crazy to say that. Sure. I mean, if he had the idea originally, like, saying you you were my sire and then not exp- like yeah yeah obviously you're going to assume that's the person who turned them into a vampire right right and you you have to explain that to your audience you can't just be like oh that's just how what sire means yeah i mean and there are some like eyebrow thingy raising things in some parts of this that i want mm-hmm. we'll talk about when we get there but um uh i i think in terms you stupid man <laughs> <laughs> anyway in terms of retconning and lore i i it's an interesting concept. Yeah. So let's see. Bup, 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 bup. Um, this, okay, I saw this written in 16 different places uh-huh. on IMDb alone. Damn. And I, I'm not literally, but like <laughs> in so, so many different ways, this was reworded and put in there. Uh, in the flashback, when William bumps into somebody and says, "Watch where you're going," he it he bumps into Angel. <laughs> okay, yeah, I feel like yeah, uh-huh. like but you see them from the back, but it's like Angel and Darla and Drusilla. Drusilla is wearing a very like distinctive dress. Yes, <laughs> and like you can see, it, Angel's hair looks exactly it's like Angel's hair. Very clear who that is, but it was uh, in actually there, like, Zach. He's Angela's. Uh, Actually, <laughs> he's not. Oh, well, he might be at that time. Yeah, he's with Darla and Drusilla. But at some point, he isn't in those flashbacks. He's He is no longer uh, oh, evil. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss that. 
Um, so that I think. Oh, the dress that Cecily wears, the character Cecily, was used in a different show. Uh huh. Called Stolen Women Captured Hearts. And the character Anna Morgan used that as her wedding dress. Okay. All right. So uh, I thought that was interesting. It is pretty. It's like white with like this kind of purple. Mm-hmm. I liked uh, it. Like frill trim. Speaking of Cecily. Uh-huh. You might want might to remember her face. I wonder if we'll see that face again. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else for us, Zach? Um, other stuff I'm just going to pepper in. Oh, oh wait. W- one oh more. <laughs> last one. Last one. <laughs> um, so. Oh, no. Just kidding. There's more. <laughs> so the original title of this episode was Love's Bitch. Oh. Doesn't say why they changed it. I'm, I'm guessing the WB bitch, wouldn't let them. Yeah. And then, um, so it says that on IMDb, this episode is named after a play of the same title by Sam Shepard. I meant to like research the play a little bit more, but I didn't. Oh, well. The plays, oh, I have to read this whole thing. The plays <laughs> two protagonists, Edie and May, or sorry, Eddie and May, struggle with an intense attraction to each other that disgusts them because they are brother and sister. Oh, no! They hate each other, yet cannot stay apart. As a result, they are doomed to be together, and therefore damned. And it's like... What? I don't know, man. That doesn't make any sense to me. uh, Yeah, me either. Um, Also, like, what is it with straight people and, like, incest... We don't. We ain't got time to get into that. They're like <laughs> really weirdly into it. I don't. It's not just straight people, Zach. Yeah, you know I know. That. I know. It's people. people, and it's because you're not supposed to do it, and people like things you're not supposed to do. But let's. I don't think that's a necessary discussion for this podcast at this time. It'd be so hot if we potentially fucked up our gene pool. Uh huh. Sure. Yay. <laughs> anyway, no. I mean, you know, if you're into incest porn, go off. Zach just stuff. keeps wants to keep talking about incest. I don't know. It's just always weird to me. Uh huh. You know it's what? very weird, and we can stop talking about I it. I just like <laughs> so. Like as a as a person, I look at porn, and he's got to keep talking and about like, it. And like I, you know, you just see it, and you're like, huh? Sure. Why does that exist? Uh huh. You can edit this out if you want to. I'm not. <laughs> I'm gonna, okay. I just, I think it's interesting. Sure. I. Well, I guess we're we're not gonna engage in that. Let's go. I don't know on. if this podcast is the place to discuss incest porn. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think maybe we can save that for something else. I don't see why not. I don't see uh, why you're such a butthole. All right. So is that all of your trivia and all your incest porn talk? Yeah, till I remember another one. All right. <laughs> uh, this episode was written by Douglas Petrie. I believe the first episode seven to not be written by Joss Whedon. Zach, do you want to give our disclaimer before we get? Deep down into the nitty gritty of the episode. I guess. Bogus. All right. Time to move into the segment where we dive deep into the episode and share our thoughts. But you needn't be afraid if you haven't seen the entire series. There shan't be spoilers. There shan't. We'll only discuss the ep- up through this episode, though we may allude to some cheeky yet discreet foreshadowing. Only the cheekiest. Yet discreetest. <laughs> We start with a previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We remember that Spike was called William the Bloody because did it uh, did it show Giles explaining why? No, why he was called it was Spike? Giles talking over other footage of Spike and Drusilla. But did was Giles saying why they called him Spike? 
Uh, yeah, I do think he said the thing about railroad spikes. Yeah, so apparently he was called Spike because he tortured people with railroad spikes, and we'll see about that. Uh, he's killed two slayers. We remember he has the chip because we can't be trusted to remember that, even though it's been the focus of like 20 episodes so far. Uh, <laughs> Buff- he loves Buffy. She's been haunting him so much. He hates, he doesn't like that he loves Buffy. And Buffy really wants to know more about her slayer lineage. She says she's everywhere, and in brackets, I wrote to me. Everywhere to me. You have to do it. I cannot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we start in the cemetery where Buffy fights some sort of... Uh, Stinky vampire who yeah. looks like Billy Butcherson from Hocus Pocus. Right. He's got this long, big, curly hair and a jacket with an anarchy symbol on it. He kind of he looks a little bit like Eddie Munson from Stranger Things. I would have described it as wide here. Wide It's hair. very yes. wide. It's quite wide. It's voluminous. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> she's like, did you smell as bad when you were alive? I know post-mortem, blah, blah, blah. And she does her usual quippy thing, but as she starts to stake him, he grabs it and turns it around and goes right into her small intestine. And then we cut <laughs> to the intro. <laughs> yes. So specific. Got to get some. I don't know if that. It might have been. It, I, I, I believe that's where the intestines are. It might have been her uterus. <laughs> All the A&P students out there are like, uh-uh. Um, actually. Um, actually. <laughs> They're like, I had to study for eight hours tonight just to get a B on a test. So you're going to you're gonna know where the small intestine mm-hmm. is. So. Because if there is one thing a science class will do, it is try to make you memorize 400,000 things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Uh, after the intro, it just continues where it left off. It was a very short cold open, very suspenseful, too, mm. to leave off for the intro there. So uh, Buffy punches the vampire onto the ground, and she starts to leave as she pulls out the stake. Which, bad idea. <laughs> yeah, she should just leave it in for a second. So she she runs. She's bleeding all over the place. Because uh, like, she pulled out the stake. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, where are you going? You were having so much fun before. He grabs the stake off the ground. Uh, he approaches her, and it's like he's like about to like kill her, probably. And then Riley saves the day and tackles the vampire. And she sort of just like kind of is like standing there, like resigned to it, uh-huh. weirdly. I mean, I guess maybe at the last second she could have threw up her hands or something, but it sort of looks like she was just like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and die, I guess. <laughs> I didn't really see it that way. I thought she was very taken aback, scared, and in shock. Yeah. And in a lot of pain, clearly. Uh, so uh, Riley scares the vampire off, and he asks Buffy what happened, but she has passed out. We cut to her room the next morning, and Riley is dressing her wound. I guess it's just been like an hour or something, but it was pitch black <laughs> when when mm. this happened. Mm. And I'm pretty sure it's there's daylight coming through her windows. But anyway, mm. uh, she she's like, "Do you think I'm a wuss now?" And he's like, "Yeah, I like a girl who can play who can only play a few rounds of tennis with a major stab wound." And I was like, "Yeah, Buffy, you literally got staked. There's like probably splinters in your spleen right now." Uh, so, uh, sh- and her eggs. right. And after he says this, eggs and her eggs. flies in her eyes. <laughs> after he says that, she's like, I thought it wasn't that bad. And he said, no, I said, I've seen worse. Uh, you, and she's like, well, at least no major or- organs got kebobbed. <laughs> he suggests that she see a real doctor and she's like, my mom would freak out and I can't have that happening. Besides I'm a slayer. Remember I have accelerated healing powers and the boyfriend with combat medical training is, uh, Buffy Summers bonus. 
Uh, so he he asks her to describe the guy who did this to her, and she was like, vampire. And he's like, how many? And she's like, one. She's kind of embarrassed that one vampire got uh, got one over on her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I mean, I would be embarrassed too. It sucks. Yeah, and he looks like an extra in like a white snake music video. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, things happen. You slip up a little bit. Uh, and he's like, was it some kind of super vampire or something? Th- something? And she's like, no, it's just a regular kind. He just beat me. And, you know, she's kind of, I'm, I'm glad that she's not really making excuses for, se- for herself. She's like, it just kind of happened. I don't really know how, but it did. He beat me up. And he's like, oh, it's not, has that ever happened before? She doesn't really answer. She's like, I'm in the best physical shape of my life. I've been training, if you're asking how it happened. But that's when Joyce starts to burst in. But Don manages to get in first and be like, Mom's coming in! Mm. <laughs> and so they're able to like hide the evidence of Riley dressing Buffy's room room wound. <laughs> and uh, actually, Don's like, sorry to interrupt the sexcapades, but Mom's coming. Uh, so uh, Joyce comes in. They make some little chit-chat. <laughs> She's like, I'm bordering on Chipper. I'm planning on being obnoxious today. <laughs> Very funny. She wants to go over the grocery list with Buffy because Buffy's helping out around the house. She's like, are you uh, disinfecting something? And Don's like, oh, it's one of my doomed nail polish experiments. Uh, So, you know, good on Don for helping. I I appreciate that. Yeah, she can't only be annoying. Yeah, exactly. We have to show her being nice to her sister sometimes. That's what the office learned about Michael Scott. Right, exactly. He can't only be obnoxious or everyone will hate him. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Joyce leaves, <laughs> and Don's like, did I just pull a Slayer-related mom cover-up thing? Who's the man? <laughs> and Buffy's like, the short, annoying man. Mm-hmm. Very funny. And uh, Buffy makes her promise not to tell Joyce about the wound in exchange for letting Don see it. It's just like, cool. I mean, gross. So Buffy asks for help with the house stuff, and Don immediately changes her tune. She's like, I save your butt, and then you dump all your chores on me. But then she agrees to cover Buffy's housework while she heals up. <laughs> and she's like, you're lucky it's not mm-hmm. bikini season. <laughs> Very funny. Riley offers to take patrol. Uh, and Buffy's like, just take the gang. He agrees. <laughs> and Don's like, when do I get to patrol? And Buffy says, not until you're never. Which I appreciated. Yar. Classic Buffy wordplay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we cut to Buffy, not Buffy. We cut to Riley being covert in the cemetery, and this is like the uh, beest of B plots <laughs> I've, I've ever seen mm-hmm. in a Buffy episode. Well, yeah, I mean, it is. I think it's setting up something, uh huh, because of what happens later, uh huh. But this part is very goofy. Yes, um, with <laughs> this joke that I had forgotten about, but was really funny because he does the. Uh, he goes in behind a grave and does the little s- hand signal with his fist, which uh, somebody uh, wrote on IMDb is like a military signal that means like, hurry up uh-huh. or like, move faster. And Xander, interestingly, is like, what do you think that means? And I'm like, oh, does that Where mean the fuck did his military knowledge yeah, go? Exactly. You don't know any more military shit. So we're not going <laughs> to hear any like, you know how to like hack the Pentagon or anything. <laughs> Um, spoiler alert, we will probably, <laughs> but um, anyway, I just think it's like just for this one bit, he's forgotten every single bit of military training. They're like, oh, it's just an initiative thing, and uh, anyway, and then <laughs> Willow says it's code. I think it breaks down to 
choo choo. <laughs> Very funny. That killed me. And so uh, Anya, Xander, and Willow are all there, and they have a bag of chips, and they're just <laughs> sharing it and eating <laughs> chips while he's sneaking around the cemetery, which is so funny. And I'm mm-hmm. like, it's so. I mean, I guess maybe they haven't patrolled in a while. Perhaps, like, probably. Uh, but they were like during the summer between season two and season three, they were like they were taking care of the vampires or at least trying and like they were pretty bad at it though yeah they were they've forgotten everything in the last two years apparently and uh and then they ask him if they're supposed to follow or they're like let's ask him if you're supposed to follow and Zayder's like hey are we supposed to follow you (laughs) right he's like oh yeah yeah that signal meant uh be real loud so the vampires who don't know we're coming have a sporting chance (laughs) and he's like like, now he's all mad and sarcastic And he tells <laughs> he tells him to dish the chips, and then Willow's like, "Okay." And, and she, she grabs a giant handful. handful. <laughs> it's, it's, she and just puts them on the ground. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. And then he's like, "Maybe we should <laughs> split up." <laughs> and he he's going. He's uh, telling Riley them classically from the twenties, right? <laughs> he's telling them to go to the bronze, and I'm like, "This would have been a very different episode if they had gone to the bronze." Mm. But they're like, "We'll be sneakier," and that's when he tells them to dish the chips. And uh, I, I'm like, Xander's like, oh, I forgot how cool he was. He's so cool. How come I'm not like that? And I'm like, Xander has a boner for Riley. Mm. <laughs> they still haven't forgotten he's now the gay one. <laughs> and uh, Willow's like, I think you're cool, Xander. Xander's not cool. He ain't cool. Mm. <laughs> Lack of cool. So we cut to, uh, I don't know where they are, actually. Where are they? Are they in... They're in the magic the shop. The magic box. It's I, I guess it's lit differently or something, or they're like behind the counter that they don't usually use or something like that. I don't know. They're mm-hmm. researching, and uh, they are researching past Slayers and how they died. And, uh, you know, Giles finds something about a Slayer, and he's like, what's going on on your end? And she's like, well, I've read about a bunch of Slayers, but it's not very helpful. Great, great protector, scary battles. Oops, she's dead. And <laughs> she wants details. Right. Uh, and Giles is like, well, this one says she forged her own weapons. And she's like, yeah, whatever. I don't care about that. <laughs> she's like, I want details of the last battle. She did say she likes a chick with an anvil. That's true. Um, so Buffy has had quite the scare. She's thinking again about, uh, once again, about her mortality as the Slayer. And I feel like it's a little bit, she's being a little bit more proactive about it this time instead of just freaking out. Mm-hmm. She's like, I need to know how to not die. Right. And I mean, I think you could be somewhat forgiven for kind of thinking that this is like maybe a little bit shoehorned in because it's like this. Not not her being afraid of her mortality, but Uh like the whole like this just one random vampire from uh, poison is the band poison (laughs) is like uh able to overcome her suddenly blah 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 whatever but i mean if you think about it it's it's a stand-in for the story of like every slayer is killed Uh they don't die of like natural causes yeah and it's not like every single kill slayer is killed in like an apocalypse scenario right and also i think it's easy to like be like, well, Buffy killed the mayor, and Buffy blah, 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 and da, da, da. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, she had this elaborate plan where they laid out dynamite and lured him into the library and blew him up. Right. So it's like, you know, every... I think it's easy to kind of get in the flow of, like, well, she's the main character. She's safe. 
and this is the show kind of being like, well, no, she's doing these like deadly fights with vampires. Mm-hmm. The Sunday thing. And it's like, well, y- Sunday, it was like she was able to overpower Buffy. It's a little bit different there because it was like Sunday was just like this really powerful one vampire who Buffy like for some reason didn't really even have a chance at fighting for a few minutes. Well, but she was also off. Yeah, exactly. But here it's like she was doing fine fighting the vampire. Just one little thing happened mm-hmm. that allowed her to get grievously injured. And we're squishy humans. And w- if one little thing happens, we are out of commission. Yeah, even if you are super strong exactly. and have fast healing, it doesn't matter if you are mortally wounded. Exactly. So she's saying, I've, uh, Giles is like, you didn't really lose. And she's like, I got really fucking close. Uh, she says she's been training harder than ever and still a vampire got one over on her and nothing in the books is helping her understand why. She's like, I understand slayers have expiration dates, but I want mine to be a long time from now. I just want to take this opportunity to express something. Um, and it's like part of my kind of hatred is a strong word, but dislike <laughs> of Superman. Uh-huh. Like this is part of what makes this show and like this story interesting is that there is this element of danger Mm -hmm. whereas superman who is like this like fucking unstoppable god basically (laughs) it's it's just like so ridiculous it i mean and and somehow is threatened occasionally by kryptonite the only thing but like it's just and there's pink kryptonite that makes him gay i think when you write (laughs) When you write a character and you make them, like, too strong at a certain point, there's just, like, no stakes. Right, exactly. Whereas with Buffy, there literally are stakes. (laughs) (laughs) But there's also stakes. There's also stakes. Because she is this really powerful, strong character, but she is mortal and squishy, like you just said. Uh Not, like, impenetrable and can, like, pick up the earth and throw it and has a, an answer to every single problem yeah, immediately. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like when I was watching that Justice League movie and I was like, oh my God, you're fucking kidding me. <laughs> uh, Sorry. So into that right now. So Buffy wants her expiration date to be a long time from now, like a Cheeto, which <laughs> is a very funny joke. And probably a Cheeto could last longer than most Slayers. <laughs> but, um... Mm. Uh, it's interesting, like, I, I, part of the reason she's being so proactive about this, I'm sure, is because uh, she's more interested in, like, her Slayer powers and where they come from and what they're like and embracing them. Well, and, and she even makes the point of, like, I've been working harder than I ever have. I've, like, the best shape I've ever been and still this vampire almost killed me. Right. And uh, it's, but there's also the element of now she has her little sister to look out for. She didn't really have, she had her mom, but she was, was never also really some sort of mystical key. Right. Exactly. Uh, but her mom was never really like, she wanted to like keep her mom safe and she's like taking steps to make sure that happens, but it's not as much of a pr- protector thing. There are ways that her mom protects her that, uh, that like she can't really protect her mom in the same way. And so, with Dawn, it's like she is like this really important protector of her. And uh, mm. it's very interesting. She's been given more, even more reasons to make sure that she doesn't die. And uh, she's not getting too in her head about it. She's still a little freaked out, though. So uh, Giles is really uncomfortable with this conversation. She's like, it's okay to use the D word. And he's like, well, most slayers are dead and henceforth not forthcoming. 
when they die. (laughs) And she's like, well, what about the Watchers? And he's like, well, if they're like me, they find the subject to, and she interrupts him. She's like, unseemly, I love you, but you Watchers are such prigs sometimes. And he's like, I was going to say painful, you bitch. Mm -hmm. She's like, well, as uh, (laughs) slapstick comedy as Kyle just delivered that, that was actually (laughs) like a really touching kind of moment where it's like, oh, Giles cares about her so much. Uh huh. And she kind of partially it's kind of like she's in business mode. She's like, oh, my gosh, you're such a prig. Mm. But then uh, she's like she forgets that her death is not just she she's not the only one who's afraid of her dying. Mm -hmm. And uh, she wasn't she's not really thinking about that. She's thinking about protecting other people. Right. So uh, he's like, but you're right. It'd be helpful if we knew, but there's no one around who can tell. Tell us. Tell us the tales of how these slayers died. And Buffy's like, they can't cast speak with dead. (laughs) Right. Although if it was the Baldur's Gate version, it would be like, this corpse has nothing to say. (laughs) Yes. We didn't feel like writing dialogue for it. (laughs) And then four billion other parts of dialogue. What do you want from us? Right. Then. uh, But then Buffy gets an idea and Giles is like, huh, what? And we cut to her pushing Spike up against the wall in his crib. And he's like, ow, actually not ow. Usually that hurts. What's wrong? Mm. And he's all, he's immediately like, hmm, something's going on with her. Right. I do. One of the things like Spike, you know, we can talk about problems with Spike later on. But one of the things that I really like about Spike's character, the way they write him, is that he's hyper aware and observant of his surroundings that's how we got the yoko factor right and like he immediately is like oh something's off Mm -hmm. he's he's uh really uh tuned into that sort of stuff buffy says slayers you killed two you're gonna show me how and then he cut to break after the break we are in the bronze now and he's like a few a few american beers are underrated but this isn't one of them and so he hates (laughs) he hates the beer at the bronze Mm. Uh, and she's like, we're not talking about beer. We're talking about slayers. One in the Boxer Rebellion and one in New York, both killed by you. You tell the tale, you get cash. And she waves a wad of cash around, which is like several hundred dollar bills. And like, how much fucking money does Buffy have? Did she get this from Giles? Probably. Probably. He seems to be independently wealthy. Mm-hmm. He says, we fought. I won. The end. Pay up. <laughs> he seriously expects to get money from that. And she's... She's like, eh, not enough. He says, you want to blow for blow to memorize? It's not about the move. And he says that since he agreed to it, we're going to do it his way. And he demands wings because he's feeling peckish. Uh, but it's part of a calculated plan on his part because she turns to order the wings and she's like, Ugh, and she grabs her side and he's like, hmm, interesting. Uh, so he's like, some nasty thing got a taste of you. She swears that she's fine, and he's like, you're stuck in a corner, in a dark corner with a creature you loathe, digging up past uglies, because you're fine. And uh, she's like, just tell me, and he says he's not going to narrate on an empty stomach. <laughs> she asks if he was born this big a pain in the ass, which I probably would too. Why haven't you staked him yet, Buffy? Gosh. Mm. He says, I've always been bad. <laughs> and ironically, we cut to... Uh, London in 1880 with uh, Spike. Uh, gotta love those Buffy transition jokes. Oh, we love them. And he's he's trying to write a poem. He's like, luminous, radiant. And someone offers him some hors d'oeuvres. And he's like, what's another word for gleaming? It's a perfectly good word, but nothing rhymes. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy's a little, this guy's a little jackass, isn't he? He's, he can't even write a word that rhymes with gleaming. He's like, I guess he really is bad. <laughs> yeah, right. I love that they really like, they are not afraid to make him a pathetic human being. 
<laughs> right. One thing I want to say about the these flashback scenes too. I feel like, like you each season, you know, kind of things have been upped in terms of quality. Uh huh. And the budge, I think. Oh yeah, the budget. hair, the costume, the wig, the wigging of Spike is pretty good. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, this scene is the best, I think. I don't, the other one is lo- not as great, yeah. but like when it straightens out for mm-hmm. some reason. But um, yeah, like uh, well, was, you, when you see when you're a vampire, you don't have the breath of life, so your hair gets straight. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it is. And, and but it, it it was really impressive. But all the costume, I mean, like there's like what like twenty or thirty people in this room, uh-huh. all in period costumes. Yeah, and then there's this huge scene at the with the boxer rebellion and uh-huh. like all the fighting, and there's a city. Like whoa, they really up the ante. It's pretty sweet. I feel like with this, well, I guess, and this is shared between two shows, but still, like, mm-hmm. that's even more impressive. Yeah, I, I like it. So uh, Spike watches a beautiful woman come downstairs, uh, whose name is Cecily. I think he says her name, mm-hmm. and uh, he w- so he writes something down, and uh, we he overhear some people are, who are like, "Oh, it's something of a mystery. The police should keep an open mind." They're talking about some murders or something, which right. clearly we find out later is probably due to Angel, Darla, and Drusilla. And uh, there's like a whole bunch of things that we're kind of told visually about Spike or uh, William. Yes. Uh, well, one is told us that this is London, 1880, which uh, does kind of conflict with what Giles said about him way back, with that he was only or barely 200 years old. So right. That math doesn't math. But it's um, not mathing. But, um, you know, he's you know at this kind of society event or whatever like he's cl- like clearly at least like he's upper class somewhere yeah upper class. Um, you know, he's got glasses, mm-hmm. which would have been expensive <laughs> he's back a nerd then. So he's a can nerd. Buy glasses. Um, he's a rich nerd, but uh, he's also like hiding out be- beneath the stairs, and there's people having conversations without him. Right, and the way that James Marsters plays him, James Marsters is so good in this episode. Yeah, like the train, the change, and in plays him really small, uh-huh. and like really mousy, and like just so opposite to what we know spike to be and it's really mm-hmm. impressive yes uh so th- th- these these adult bullies like call after william and he's like they're like mm. william do you think that these murders are animals or thieves <laughs> and he, he prefers not to think of such dark ugly business uh-huh. that's what the police are for uh, he prefers to create things of beauty, and that's when they take his paper he's been writing on, and he's like, the inks are wet, it's not finished. <laughs> <laughs> the, the inks are still wet, he said. Uh-huh. And um, I was when I was thinking about what would be my nomination for Gayest Moment, I was like, a rich British guy with a walrus mustache bullying a foppish man <laughs> uh, is definitely in the running. Uh, the poet reads... Uh, as a man reads it aloud in front of William. A poem. Oh, did I say poet? Oops. You did. It reads, My heart expands, tis grown a bulge in it, <laughs> inspired by your beauty effulgent. And they, they say, effulgent! <laughs> <laughs> right. They're all the... Uh, all of these people sound like uh, Ben DeLaCreme's impression of Maggie Smith in Kyle's mind. Yes. And so Cecily, Cecily's like, oh, my God. And she, like, w- goes away. And William takes the page back and walks toward her. And a woman says, 
Did you did you hear? They call him William the Bloody because of his bloody awful poetry. <laughs> That's, that does kind of sound like what she sounded like. Mm-hmm. Also sounds that. a little bit like Hermione. Yes. <laughs> and no, you can't. And a man says, I'd rather have a railroad spike through my head. And we were like, huh, methinks Spike doctored up some history for the well, books. Maybe. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't really, I or maybe it gave. Maybe this gave him ideas. I wonder if we might learn more in a later episode. We'll see. Or in Peros, possibly an angel. So she approaches Cecily. She immediately tells him to leave her alone, and he doesn't listen. And we're like, "Come on, man! Like, go the fuck away!" So he sits down next to her anyway, and he's like, "They're Vulgarians, not like you and I." And she says, "You and I." She's like, "I don't. I ain't a part of this." She asks him if his poetry is about her, and he's like, well, if it's because if it's, it's bad, it's, it's just words, it's about how I feel, and uh, I love you, Cecily. Uh, I meant it, every syllable, and she's like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, she's not feeling it, and is super mean, actually, about it, I have to say. Like, yeah, she, she's like, please stop. Uh, normally, I'm on, like, a woman's side about, like, uh, you know, of course, she does not have to enjoy his advances. Or, and she also doesn't have to put him down gently or whatever. Right. But it was like a lot. It is a lot. And it's clearly we're cl- they're cl- clearly trying to exaggerate it a bit. But who knows? Like, I don't know. But if also, to be fair, I mean, she is being really clear. I do not like you. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, very, very. You know clear. what? I'm back on her side, actually. But he just won't shut up. He just keeps talking. He's like, I'm a, I'm a bad poet, but I'm a good, a good man. All I ask is that you try to see me. She says, I do. That's the problem. You're nothing to me, William. She stands up and she says, you're beneath me. And she leaves. You know what they say about from beneath you. (laughs) It eats you starting with your bottom. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) William tears up his poem outside and he bumps into a long haired gentleman and continues to storm off into what seems to be a dark alley. And IMDb wants you to know very clearly that that was Angel. Yes. They wrote it like 16 times. Uh, And so as he's... Also, sorry. Go ahead. I think it's really funny that on a lot of those things, there's like a a thumbs up, thumbs down button. Uh Uh-huh. And it's the idea of thumbs downing a trivia fact about a TV show is so funny to me. I would, I mean, me personally, I would be like, this isn't true thumbs down. But, but that's I'm not sure many people do not use it I, that way. Yeah, I think it, it is what it's intended to be. It says, was this useful to you? <laughs> but anyway. That doesn't make any kind of sense. Yeah. So uh, he finishes tearing up the poem, and we hear a familiar voice say, I wonder what possible catastrophe came crashing down from heaven and brought this dashing stranger to tears. And it's Drusilla. What? And it's funny because he's like, he thinks she's trying to rob him. Yes. Which is funny. I, well, at first I was like, do you not see how she's dressed, my guy? Well, but she has that like lower class Cockney kind of accent. Yes. So what or, I yeah. thought was funny was uh, he's like, uh, I, I'm n- nothing brought me to tears. I just want to be alone. And I'm like, hmm, interesting that you want someone to leave you alone, William. I don't know, didn't someone just ask you to do that? And you just mm. kept fucking talking to her? well what remember cecily was like leave me alone immediately as soon as he approached her but he he did sat down yeah Mm -hmm. i'm like huh maybe you should take your own advice yeah william yeah i turned on him real fast (laughs) but you're supposed to feel sorry for him but i was like you know what you were being a shithead yeah (laughs) um and like i mean 
just come on. Anyway, we'll talk. We'll talk more about it later. So she's like, I see you, a man surrounded by fools who can't see his strength. His vision is glory. And she sees burning baby fish swimming around his head. And she's like, that's close enough. I've heard tales of London pickpockets. I'm I'm having fun with my. I was gonna say, come on, give us every single line of dialogue <laughs> from the episode. Shut, I just want to do my my <laughs> posh English accent. I'm even giving Drusilla the wrong accent because I want to do it so much. But yeah, um, so she says a bunch of her cryptic visiony things to him. But she recognizes that his wealth lies in his heart and in his head and, and then in dick. the spirit. And then she looks down. And she's like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if a woman wants to be interested in a man on a TV show, he has to have an impressive penis. There's no other way. Mm. So <laughs> he's like, oh, mother's expecting me. Uh, she's like, I see what you want. Something glowing and glistening. Something effulgent. And that makes him come. <laughs> she says, do you want it? And he says, oh, yes. <laughs> so she vamps out. He's only a little bit taken aback, and she bites him, and uh, he's like, ow, 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 he get, It gets more and more painful until he stops crying out in pain and seems to begin to feel some pleasure. Mm-hmm. And that's when we cut back to the cemetery. It was once again where I wrote, wow, this is pretty good visual. Because yeah. you can see the hairline, and like you can't really see like a lace. Or yeah, it's not bad. It doesn't look super hard and crunchy. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are certain drag race... Um, contestants that wish they had wigs. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so back in the present day, Riley in s- looks into this script and he sees a vampire, the vampire, the same vampire that staked Buffy earlier. What? Oh, actually, no, they're not looking in the crypt yet. They just see him out in the cemetery. Mm-hmm. And so Riley follows him and he sees him go into this crypt. Anya, like in every shot, flips her scarf over her shoulder. <laughs> kept making me laugh. I love it. So uh, there's this whole gang inside this crypt that's making fun of Buffy, and Riley's like, "We'll come at, come back at daybreak, and uh, we'll we'll kill him just as dead in the morning." Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're like, and "Okay, let's see." Po- it was at that point that I was like, "Do they even have weapons? It's like they're just <laughs> walking around. Right. What are they gonna do?" Exactly. Because uh, it doesn't look like. I mean, I guess they could have something in their pocket. I guess, but. Doesn't really seem like they have anything. Right. <laughs> so Oz at least had that baseball bat stake. That's true. So Spike, uh, we get cuts to Spike playing pool, and uh, Buffy's like very clinical about his story, and he's like, "It's not Discovery Channel. It's a profound and powerful experience." Uh, he had new strength coursing through him. Uh, he talks about becoming a vampire, as though it's this religious experience. He says, "Getting killed made him feel alive for the first time." Uh, and so he decided to make some rules of his own. He had to get him a gang. <laughs> and that's when we cut to Angel pushing newly vampired Spike up against a wall. Yeah, so it's the same year because it says Yorkshire 1880. Uh-huh. Previously it said London 1880. Yes. And um, so <laughs> didn't take him long to fuck up a bunch of shit, it seems like. <laughs> right. Uh, so Angel clearly does not like Spike very much, uh, which will continue for over a century. And uh, he's like, remind me why, why we don't kill you, William. He's like, it's Spike now. Uh, apparently, they barely got out of London alive because of Spike. So immediately, as, to- as soon as he turns into a vampire, he starts causing problems. Mm. Uh, so they've been hiding in a mine shaft because of William the Bloody liking attention. He doesn't want a whole reputation. <laughs> and he's like, did I sully our good name with vampires? Also, I wanted to point out that Angel has a Scottish or his uh, Irish accent. And I'm like, so is it 
getting a soul that gave him an American accent? He just at some point stops having it. I'm like, what well, happened? I, I assumed that turning Spike, into... No, 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 no. Hold on. Pause. <laughs> Way more egregious than that is that Spike immediately, immediately gets a Cockney has accent. A Cockney accent. <laughs> Yeah. So, so Spike's accent changes immediately, but Angel's does not. It is so funny. Yeah, the accent stuff is wild. Uh, so I mean, and I, I like. I guess it would have just made more sense for like a society person to be a poet, sort of. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why he couldn't have been a Cockney poet. I don't know. It's whatever. so strange. <laughs> it's a, it's another one of those things. Just don't think about You're it. You're supposed to just kind of like, yep, that happened. <laughs> right. The so vampire, the demon had a Cockney accent. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's what it is. So Angel and Spike argue about the best way to kill people. Angel likes to use finesse. Spike likes to fight people. And uh, Angel's like, every time you do that, we're going to get hunted more and more. And... Uh, <laughs> Darla's like, ooh, I think our boys are going to fight. All sing songy. And then <laughs> Drusilla's like, the king of cops expects a picnic, but this is not his birthday. <laughs> and Darla says, good point. <laughs> she, after giving her this really side eye look, which is so funny. It is so funny. I love it. So this is where, okay, this is like a wild thing I got off IMDb. Uh-huh. It says, on the DVD commentary, writer Douglas Petrie says that this scene, um, where they're fighting and trying to stake each other while Darla and Drusilla are looking on with glee is a not very subtle allegory for female enjoyment of male homoeroticism. Oh, you know, I sort of got that a little bit. Yeah. And it's just, it's funny because they're, you know, they're trying to stake each other. Right. Uh, uh. At first I thought it was wild. And then I was like, well, then I thought back to like the Harry Potter days and how like there was all that, like, Draco and Harry fanfic and like Snape oh, yeah. and Harry fanfic. And oh a yeah, a lot of it was written by women, especially like uh, bookie and like nerdy women. Like lots of them are super into mm slash fix. Sam and Dean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fandom, fandom culture is all all about the gay the gay slash fix. Lauren says, "What? Oh, Sam and Dean. <laughs> we Zach's got to bring it back around." Anyway. <laughs> Kyle doesn't want to talk about that. He'd rather say every single line from this episode. How about <laughs> fuck you, you bitch? I don't see you making detailed notes. So <laughs> I really don't. I, I what really what I want to do is show off my posh English accent. That's terrible. It, I think it's fun. Oh, thanks. Like <laughs> Thank you, Zachary. <laughs> so they continue arguing. Uh, Angel's like, killing is artistry. We're not just animals. And then Spike calls him a poofta, which yeah. I is, you know, gay. I think poof is really bad in England. I think it's a really bad thing to say in England. Yeah, that's like the... I'm pretty word. sure we've, dis- we've discussed that before. But yeah, I mean, and it is funny kind of comparing their entire styles because, I mean, Angel is super like dramatic. It is always like killing people and arranging them in fucked up tableaus and shit. Right. But somehow that's, I guess Spike is just doing it out in public or something. Yeah, it seems like he's just kind of going and doing whatever the fuck he wants and having fist fights and stuff. You would think the whole serial killer angle that Angelus has would also kind of lead to trouble. But I guess he's like not doing it. Well, forensic science was in its infancy and also is bullshit, so. Yeah, he's not necessarily doing like wit in front of witnesses. Right, exactly. And it's also like... 
anyway like how are he's a, he's a vampire so he's also already trying to like st- hide away from society and he's also only doing it to like very specific people mm-hmm. he chooses his he chooses his victims carefully right so they fight so, uh, the contrast of their styles i think is really interesting it is uh, so they fight some more and Angel's like, maybe the Slayer will teach you someday not to do it like this. And he's like, what's a Slayer? This is where we learn that being in a vampire straightens your hair. <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, back in the present day, Spike's like, I was obsessed. Most vampires were afraid of the Slayer, but I didn't hid. I wanted to find her. He didn't hid. <laughs> I didn't hit. Sorry, I'm reading from my notes and I'm not reading them verbatim. So uh, Buffy's like, well, how did you kill her? And he's like, funny, you should ask. Lesson the first. And he grabs Buffy and he says, a slayer must always reach for her weapon, but I've already got mine. And he goes, vamp face. He takes the pool cue back. Oh my gosh. He takes the pool cue back. And he's like, you become a vampire. You have nothing to fear but one girl. And I'm like, oh, is that true? Giles has killed some vampires. Mm. Willow's killed some vampires. Well, but a lot of it is because they're all cocky and think they're indestructible. True. But, I mean, it kind of seems like that was Spike's attitude, too. So, but he says, back then it was her. And we cut yeah, to Spike him. was a vampire. And still is. Yeah, but he was caught. He was still super cocky and he didn't get killed by humans. So? Well, that was that not your justification for why Willow and Giles were able to stake vampires? Well, yeah, but just because it hadn't happened yet doesn't mean that it couldn't. True, true. <laughs> <laughs> so we're now in 1900, 20 years later in the flashbacks, and Spike is fighting a Chinese woman slayer who is using a sword. I was like, ooh, I wonder if she like she slayed vampires by chopping their heads off or something, mm. mostly. She did have a very fancy stake, too, though. She did. Uh, so we see it's uh, 1900 China, which I guess is when the Boxer Rebellion was. I don't know anything about it. And, like, this is where they did sort of go backwards a little bit with the hair, at least on Spike. Uh-huh. Like, he sort of has this, like, it's almost giving, like, 16th century hair with the little ponytail. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't think men in the 19, like, late 1800s, early 1900s had, like, those little ribbon tied back ponytail yeah it's very strange to me um could be wrong but i mean i mean they are pretty far from england at this point men's fashion historians hit us in the comments they're probably just not keeping up with the fashions because they're you know yeah but even victorian men i don't think had like they didn't do that yeah it's quite strange short hair Uh uh-huh like maybe like long on top like the thing he had before Uh uh-huh that looks like what you would expect. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a weird style choice. Uh, so uh, there's a crowd fleeing this burning town. Uh, Spike continues to fight the Slayer. He's like, is this good for you? And he manages to disarm oh, her. We You forgot to mention a key thing. They like retconned in an explanation for James Marster's real life eyebrow scar. Oh, she hits him with the sword on the. Yes, that's neat. And he actually got that from being mugged in New York. Oh, shit. Sorry about that, James. uh, (laughs) Is according to IMDb anyway. Uh So like, yeah, she kind of cuts him with the sword. And uh, I I just thought that was cool little detail. They're like, let's explain how he got this scar on his eyebrow. Yes. So she has him up against a wall and pulls out her fancy stake. But an explosion stops her from staking him. And. You know, Spike tries to make a point later in this episode, and I feel like this is some evidence against his point here. So 
Oh, sorry about our notification there. <laughs> it's probably just uh, the Echo trying to tell us that there's a winter weather advisory, weather advisory for the 20th time yeah. this week. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so the explosion stops her from being able to stake him. Uh, he gets her to drop her stake. All right. Anyway, I disagree with what you just said. Um, the explosion stopped her from getting him. That's like true. She was kind of getting the upper hand, and then the explosion happened, and then she dropped her fancy stake. Okay, interesting. So <laughs> she tries right. to get off the floor. He grabs her, bites her, and kills her. And as she dies, she says, tell my mother I'm sorry. And he says, in Chinese, and he says, sorry, love, I don't speak Chinese. Also, the IMDb felt it really necessary to also <laughs> say what she said. Although it did say, uh, tell my mother to forgive me or something. So it is a slightly different thing than that what they said in the dialogue. Mm, but interesting. But, I mean, all right. <laughs> sure. I don't know. So he I guess it is a slight mistranslation. Mm-hmm. He drops her on the ground and he says, a fella could get used to this. After the break, Drusilla approaches Spike and she's like, look at the wonderful mess you've made. And he's like, that's a slayer. I love her outfit in this. It is so cool. So good. It's like the hair. Now, Drusilla has been keeping up with fashion. Oh, yes. Like her hair is very like turn of the century. And her little outfit with like the lace and the high neck and Mm -hmm, everything. mm -hmm. And the coat she wears after this scene. It's quite nice. Uh, He gives her a taste of the Slayer blood, and she sucks on his finger, and they start to kiss, and they fall below the screen. They have implied sexual intercourse. Mm. So we cut to more chaos outside. Spike and Drusilla meet Angelus and Darla. Oh, wait. Is this Angelus? No. So this specifically is after Angel has been reinsold. And you can see it on his face. He's like, he's not sure about all this shit. Yeah. So, and there's crossover in this scene with the angel episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, and like, I'm if I remember correctly, like uh, Darla wearing like a super kind outfit in this <laughs> scene where she like kind of breaks up with him. Oh yes. Um. But um. Yeah. So. All the shh shh. Yeah, this is the part where the hair really started to bother me because I kept seeing the r- weird little rat tail. <laughs> yes, uh, I hate those. I think it. It's. I wonder if it's like a '90s thing where, like, you know, like the grunge, like, kind of alt guys had long hair, uh-huh. and that was like a big thing. Maybe. You know, I'm, like it was like rebellious but or whatever to have. Why would that hair. being a '90s thing justify it being here in the 1900s or the? early to because the show was not because like the, the 90s in 1900s. the real world <laughs> but they d- tried to do right period hair the other times anyway <laughs> it doesn't matter they re- i mean they nailed it with drusilla and darla i think yes i agree so uh Dratel- drusilla tells them what happened and angel is like kind of taken it aback it's kind of mad and he's like congrats i think that i guess that makes you one of us although i did just think okay sorry <laughs> i'm justifying it myself in my brain because it could be a thing where, like, maybe Angel does that sometimes. Uh-huh. Because he is from that time period where they would wear their hair like that. Oh, and so he's and just copying he's like Angel. emulating Angel. Mm. Is it that deep? Maybe. Who knows? That would be impressive. If they, if somebody said that, yes, that that was accurate, I would be like, whoa. Mind <laughs> uh, Spike assures Angel that he'll give him first crack at the next Slayer who rises. And Drusilla's like, I smell fear. There's also so much red. They're all like, except for Spike. Spike isn't wearing red, except for the 
blood on his face. <laughs> yes. But uh, Drusilla has like a very bright red coat. Um, Angel has a red vest. Dr- uh, Darlo's outfit is also red. Um, much, m- much red in this scene. Much, much red. So uh, Angel's like, this rebellion's starting to bore me. Let's get away. And there's a shot. <laughs> there's a shot of them all walking away from the fire. It starts on Spike. And then uh, mm-hmm. it continues with the whole group. And <laughs> while they're slow motion walking away, Gi- Spike jumps over a barrel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a lot, but it's cool. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's supposed to be, he's like. He's on top of the world. Rock star. Yeah. You know, bad boy, whatever. So present day Spike says that that was the best night of his life. And she's like, Ugh, you got off on it. And he's like, T- are you telling me you don't? How many of my kind have you done? She says, not enough. And I'm like, very interesting wording there, Spike. Uh, mm. And he's like, and we just keep coming. You can ki-, And he's make- making this point. You can kill a lot of us, we'll, but we'll keep coming. And uh, all we really need is to have just one good day. Mm. Uh, so she shoves him off and she's like, ugh. And he says, well, you asked me. And he's like, oh, you've gotten so good, you're starting to think you're immortal. And she says she just knows how to handle herself. And then he says, how do you explain this? He hits exactly where he thinks her wound is, and she cries out in pain. Mm-hmm. And there's like a little scene at the bronze, and everyone's like, what the fuck is Because he also on? yells. because Oh, yeah, because it hurts his brain. And then she's like, lesson over. And he says, not even close, and leads her outside. And he says, uh, she was... Oh. So, oh, no, yep. scene. yeah, we're back in the cemetery now. And uh, the vampires are like, she was killed with her own weapon. You ought to put this in a museum. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and they're like, you know what they put there mostly? Oh, sorry. That's Riley, isn't it? <laughs> God damn it. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> that's too Not to interrupt your transcript reading. Sh- leave me alone. <laughs> How about fuck you, bitch? So... <laughs> I just wanted to put in a jokes. So uh, Ryla's like, you know what? They put there mostly dead things. And so he fights them. He kills the original vampire, drops a grenade and runs out. And then it explodes before the other ones can get out. And I'm like, so this is my, this may actually be a little bit important. So Riley is like, oh, let's, you know, get back, come back here in the morning. But he sticks around and he comes in to drop the grenade in the crypt. And we're like, hmm, why did he lie? Very interesting. Very interesting. What are you you up to, Riley? And he's doing this weird, like, superhero kick of, I don't know, like, it's just insane for one person to go into this nest of vampires by themselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's very reckless. But, you know, Riley, he has to be a big man. Mm-hmm. So uh, back outside the bronze, Buffy has Spike by his neck against a fence, and he's like... And for some reason, they took the pool cue outside with them. <laughs> yes, for some reason. They have to have a sparring stick. So uh, he's like, you want to know how I beat them, but the question's not how I beat them, it's how they lose. There's a big difference. He's like, I don't see the difference. Uh, and she's like, how the fuck did you kill the second one? And he says, like this. And he like does some punches at her and she dodges all of them. She's like, that didn't hurt. <laughs> Which I thought that was very funny. And he's like, I'm, and we get like a weird thing about the chip 
here, like, I'm. Oh. It, it feels like they wanted us to hear this thing about the chip, but it doesn't seem important. He's like, yeah, I knew I couldn't hurt you, so the chip didn't activate. So, and well, I'm like, because if they didn't, then people would be like, well, how come he could s- punch at her when she he has the chip and it didn't hurt him? But then, like, why did he even do that in the first place? Like, I I just don't really understand. It, it really doesn't make sense. Yeah, he's, it's not. He it's, has it. He's trying to hit her. Like, I don't know. I think they just. I don't even understand why it's there. <laughs> right. So she hits him. He kneels down in pain. And she's like, how the fuck did you kill them? Uh, oh, and that's after he demonstrates that if he goes in vamp face and like tries to bite her, he'll get hurt. And he had intent behind that one because it hurt his brain. So she gets him down on the ground with a stake. Because like, literally he held up a gun and was not intending to shoot somebody with it. And it hurt him. And it was a squirt gun. <laughs> right. Exactly. So this just completely goes against things that have already been established right this show is not known for its consistent for like what for like a joke that joke where he's one of them is like this hurt too and the other one says definite pain there that is that why they put that in so it's so strange anyway so uh he's like you're not ready to know and she's uh, she's uh and he's like okay it went like this i really like the way they cut this scene together where he's basically it, it and it, it because there did need to be like I think some difference between all the flashbacks. Oh yeah, this is really cool. to differentiate it. He's like just narrating the whole time while he's fighting Nikki, and it's really cool. Yeah, and then like sometimes he'll like speak in the flashback the words that he's t- telling Buffy in mm-hmm. the present day, and like sometimes it will cut from Buffy hitting him to Nikki hitting him in the uh in the flashback yeah like the choreography of this the editing the shoot the way they shot it is so so cool so they're fighting uh, spike is fighting a black woman slayer on the subway train in new york city 1977 and, and i was, was like, like isn't the 70s a little bit early for this look for him yeah but it's like a punk punk look but i mean maybe that was going on i don't know what do I look like, a historian? <laughs> right, a fashion historian. I just said I always had that kind of a- a- images like that was eighties. I mean, I know it's only three years away from mm-hmm. the decade, but I was thinking, is Angel in New York at this time? Is he in the sewers eating rats? Probably. Uh, I feel like probably. Yeah, he he kind of did that for a long time. So, but anyway, we see that this Slayer is wearing so, some familiar clothing. Uh, so she yeah, it's the pants, right? Yes. Uh, it's the pants. So they're fighting. She's like smashing Spike into stuff. And he describes that she's cunning and resourceful. And did I mention hot? He says, we, I could have danced all night. And Buffy's like, you think we're dancing? And he says, that's all we've ever done. And I was like, okay, weirdly flowery, but okay, Spike. Uh, I guess he was a poet. So uh, he keeps fighting this woman on the subway train. He does this really cool thing where he breaks one of those handhold bars and then he like twirls it around. And I'm pretty sure that's a shot from the intro. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, badass points. Uh, which and it, then it switches to the present day and he's twirling around the pool cue. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, s- snaps, snaps to Nick Mark. <laughs> yep. Nick Mark and the cinematography people. Yes. I don't, uh, don't credit them enough. Uh, so Spike says, every day you wake up in this, the same bloody question that haunts you is today the day I die. Death's on your heels and sooner or later it's going to catch you and part of you wants it not only to stop the fear and uncertainty, but because you're just a little bit in love with it. 
So it cuts to the Slayer beating up Spike on the ground beneath her, and then the sub the subway train goes through a, like a tunnel or something. It's dark, and then he is on top of her. He says, death is your art. You make it with your hands day after day. And Spike is speaking to Buffy, but he's speaking in the flashback like to the camera, and it's really no, cool. It is really cool, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and very like thematic. Yeah, it's like what Senea said in the dream the first Slayer um, in Restless where she talks about the Slayer living in the action of death and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yes. uh, Yeah, very interesting. And Spike is sort of trying to make a similar point here. And uh, he continues, uh, you you make death with your hands day after day, that final gasp, that look of peace. Part of you is desperate to know what is it like? Where does it lead you? And uh, he's like, that's the secret, not the punch you didn't throw or the kicks you didn't land. She merely wanted it. Every Slayer has a death wish. And it shows him breaking the 70 Slayer's neck. And he says, even you. And Buffy's face shows that she does not like him saying this. So mm. I want to pause here for a second. And I want to say, Zach, do you think Spike has a good point here? Or do you think Spike is being an unreliable narrator? That this that the Slayers wanted to die. That all Slayers have a death wish, and that Buffy has a death wish. Well, that is something that they've kind of been dancing around a little bit this season. Uh huh. Like the Slayers' relationship with death mm-hmm. and how they deal death to like these creatures and, and things. You and, and even like up into the past season with them with uh, Faith uh, insisting that she's not a killer. Right, and then, and also the way they have to deal with the death of people around them constantly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, either people they, you know, strangers who, you know, Buffy, of course, internalizes every single one is her fault that she didn't save. Yes. And I do think that it's understandable that, like, in a way, probably they would look at death as somewhat of a release from, like, all of this, like, constant fighting mm-hmm. because every day is just a fight. And it is kind of like what he said, like, it's a, I, you know, it's kind of like a metaphor for life that like every day is like some sort of struggle, or, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you know, uh, it's <laughs> Maggie Smith or um, the, the Dowager Countess of Grantham has a line in Downton Abbey that she says every day er, life is just an endless series of challenges that we must face one after another until at last we die. <laughs> And uh, it's like supposed to be encouraging, but she kind of realizes how bleak it sounds halfway through the line. <laughs> That's really so funny. funny. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I think it's it's. I think yes, he's accurate. I think hmm. I don't. I don't. Do they like want to die? Probably not. But do they kind of want maybe like the struggle to end a little bit? Probably. Yeah, I do think maybe it's a little bit in your interpretation because uh, what Spike is, what it seems like Spike is trying to say is that because they uh, long to know what death is like and they're so close to it and because they want to experience it themselves, they lose these battles because of that, which I feel like may not be entirely accurate. Like, I feel like maybe he has a little bit of insight here into the slayer psyche because he's thought about it and he's experienced a couple slayers Mm -hmm. but i don't think maybe necessarily that's the reason they lost those fights i think probably he just yeah well i mean i don't think it's it's one of those things where like every single thing really in existence that is (laughs) it's always more complicated than just one simple yeah so it's very interesting just to like put in your brain and to think about like 
what what role did that little part of their psyche have to do in these losses and did that have anything to do with Buffy earlier in this episode because like you were saying to you it seemed like maybe she was just gonna sit there and let him kill her mm-hmm. I mean fully she was just like kind of standing there like not even arms not even in like a defensive posture uh-huh. just like flat against the thing I don't know. I feel like that's such a thing in movies and TV, though, where, like, the person is, like... Right, at when someone's about to land the killing blow. And they're just like, oh, well, and then something <laughs> saves them. Yes. So uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to, you know, talk a little bit about that because it's uh, very. Inter- I don't think we're really supposed to. I don't think Spike's word is the end on this, and I don't. No. And I don't think uh, we're necessarily. I don't think we're supposed to either completely agree with him or completely. Uh, disagree with him i think it's just something sort of up in the air for us to think about in relation to buffy and her slayer powers which is what good writing does yes it's fantastic it introduces you to like this line of thought and makes you question and wonder is this accurate and then and again like it's a piece of a puzzle it's not like necessarily the answer absolutely so uh, spike then makes the point that the only reason you've lasted so long is because you've got your mom and your brat sister and your scoobies they tie you here but they're just putting off the inevitable and i'm like well yeah doing anything that keeps you alive is putting off the inevitable spike that doesn't mean you should just stop doing it all uh maybe spike has a warped view of death just like his warped view of love right well and i mean if you think about buffy she's it's sort of against her even her nature to have friends helping her Uh uh-huh and be around family because she's constantly like i have to do this it's just me i have to be alone Mm -hmm. and he sort of just hinted at or not hinted at, he directly said, like, this is part of what's keeping you alive. Yeah, all these silly humans care about you. Right. So it is it is weird that it took, like, you know, however many thousand years for people to figure that out. But. And the, the final flashback is of him stealing uh, the Slayer's jacket. Mm-hmm. The Slayer, Nikki, last name. Mm. Nikki, last name. <laughs> Nikki, last name. Uh, I do know her last name, but I'm not going to say it. What was the Chinese Slayer's name? We we looked it up before this. Was it, wasn't it she something? <laughs> no, uh, let me take... X-I, right? Uh, something like that. Let me Let me take a look real quick, because we did look at it, but I forgot it. Shin Rong. Shinrong was her name. I don't think I don't think that's in the credits or anything. I think it's clarified in some sort of supplementary material or something. So, uh, Spike sort of gets up and he's like, "Sooner or later, you're gonna want it." And the second that happens, I'll be there. I'll slip in, have myself a real good day. And he says, "Here endeth the lesson." And I was like, "Master, you're the master." He's not the master, but <laughs> it reminded me of that. That's when mm. he was. St- oh, very interesting too, because that was the episode that the master was talking about fear and nightmares. He, that's when he said, "Here ended the lesson," when he like hugged the cross or whatever. I feel like that's one of those things, those like idioms. That's just yeah. It's it's. I'm pretty sure it's just coincidental, but it is interesting that yeah. you know he's sort of scaring Buffy with like this information about her own psyche and uh, the original. The first time we heard it, probably in the series, was. Mm-hmm. The master talking about fear. So just a little incidental connection, I feel like. I mean, they could have done it on purpose. Perhaps. I don't know. Who knows? I don't. Not I. (laughs) So uh, 
he's like, I just wonder if you like it as much as she did. And he t- she tells him to get out of her sight. And he's like, did I scare you? You're the Slayer. Hit me. One good swing. I know you want want it, want it to. And I'm like, yeah, Buffy, just fucking kill him. <laughs> just do uh-huh. it. Uh, but she doesn't. He says, give it to me. Good, Buffy. Do it. And he sort of like goes in for a kiss. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? She actually says, what the hell are you doing? And she's revolted by this. She's like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I also think it's funny. He actually says, give it me good. Buffy, oh. Which sounds very like old. Maybe it's a weird British thing. Yeah. Give it me good. <laughs> uh, so he grabs her and he says, I can feel it. You want to dance? Say it's true. Say you want to. Or sorry, say it's true. He says, don't you want to dance? Say you want to dance. Oh, so don't you <laughs> yeah. want to dance? Sorry. She With says, <laughs> she says, say it's true. Say I do want to. And she shoves him down on the onto the ground. She takes her wad of cash and she throws it at him. And she says, it wouldn't be you, Spike. It would never be you. You're beneath me. And, and she I walks have a question off. that like. Did he tell her That's, that mm-hmm. Cecily said that to him? I've had the same question. Or is it just a coincidence? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the world may never know. But as she walks off, this is why this is why James this is why uh, Joss Whedon shoved James Marsters against a wall and was like, "Fuck you! I can't write you out of my show." Mm-hmm. <laughs> because James Marsters is so tiny and pitiful and pathetic here and he's he starts to like sniffle and cry and he's like grabbing for this money that's all around him that Buffy Mm. gave him and he looks and then he like turns his head and he looks at Buffy with like this searing rage in his face and I was Mm. like Jesus Christ James Marsters you made me feel feelings and I just want to point out here that very very good I just want to point out here that I do not feel sorry for Spike but I do feel pity. I I pity him Mm. in like the worst kind of way. He's pitiful and pathetic here. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it cuts to him opening up a chest and apparently he just has a shotgun in his crypt. I was like, okay, that's not weird to me at all. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but I was like, oh, he has a shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, it makes sense. But like that it's there now. I haven't seen it before. Yeah, it's been in the chest. But Harmony is imploring him not to do this. She's like, what the fuck is happening? He's like, I'll sh- I'll put her six feet beneath me. Hasn't got a death wish. Bitch won't need one. I was like, okay. Yeah, he- After the break, she's like, okay, I'm trying to be supportive. So you don't stake me like last time. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Spike does that to people sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or vampires. But And he's like, you can't kill her. She's going to kick your ass. And he's like, I got two barrels to prove you wrong. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Cletus. I like her thing how <laughs> she says, she, she's like, your your chip's going to go off and blah, blah, blah. And then you'll get bitch slapped up and down Main Street unless she's finally tired of you and stakes you. And, and I was like, that's not going to happen. Well, yeah, clearly. <laughs> she's clearly. never going to get tired of him. Clearly. Clearly. And he's like, it'll hurt like hell, but she'll be dead just a little bit longer than that. Uh, for, oh, it'll hurt like hell for a few minutes. But she'll be dead just a little bit longer than hours, actually. Something like that. She's like, but don't cry to me when you fail. You couldn't kill her before when you had plenty of chances. And I was like, Harmony's right. He was he couldn't even kill her before the chip and before Angelus was trying to take over the world. Mm -hmm. He sucks at killing Buffy. 
Right. And then we cut to another flashback. Very interesting flashback to me. I love it because it is this call out to Lover's Walk. Uh huh. Spike <laughs> said that he caught Drusilla making out with a chaos demon. All slime, slime and, and antlers. antlers. <laughs> so this is like right after that happened. Yes, it's in 1998, uh, I believe in Brazil or something like that. Yeah. It says South America, but I, I saw it written in other places that it was in Brazil. Mm-hmm. So basically in this scene of Drusilla's like, oh, I can see her floating all around you laughing. And this is 1998. So after he knocked Drusilla out <laughs> and drove and out of the mansion through the garage after or whatever. becoming part two. Yes. And Drusilla's like, why won't you push her away? My mm. accent for her changes every single time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and You'll he's like, find it. Keep looking. Uh, he's like, I did it for you, but you keep punishing me and carrying on with creatures like this. And it shows the chaos demon. And, and it, he's all slime and antlers. It's also, I think it's really fun to, like this show does it so well where they have this writing that's like just on the verge of arch. Like it's not quite there but uh-huh. like it's tickling the soap opera uh-huh. dialogue and then there's this guy who's just like okay uh, you guys obviously have a thing going <laughs> on here right uh, he's just holding a beer she says you have to find my demon. i have to find my pleasure spike you taste like ashes which somebody said there was a like a reference to a future event and i'm like probably not i don't think so <laughs> i think I mean, I guess I could see it, but I think it's more like a metaphor for, like, the destruction of their relationship. Right. And he's like, so this is my fault. Uh, <laughs> the uh, chaos team is like, I didn't know she was seeing somebody. And he leaves. But he blows her a little kiss with his little hoof hand. It's so cute. Uh, and he's all slamming antlers. And she's like, you can't blame a girl, Spike. You're all covered with her. I look at you and all I see is a slayer. So very interesting. Because I wouldn't have said in Lover's Walk that it seemed like Spike was in love with Buffy. But this seems to be suggesting that he was. He doesn't say he's in love with her. But it's like he's he's obsessed obsessed with with her. her, Yes. And he just like can't get over it. So, yeah, I guess it's up to your own interpretation. Do you think maybe the little inklings were there? Was he just like trying wanting to kill her because he likes to kill slayers? Who's to say? I think the storyline is that it started out as he has like a fetish for killing slayers. Uh huh. And then he became obsessed with killing her. And then he became just obsessed with her. Yes, and then that's very possible. I don't know that I've been given enough information to really like come up with something I full one hundred percent believe. But I believe that could be an explanation for it. Or maybe they're trying to show us that he was in love with her before. Like, I really can't tell honestly. So we cut back to Buffy's house and she's going into Joyce's room and Joyce is packing a bag and she's like, "Yeah, I, I put together that grocery list." And uh, she asks Joyce if she's okay. And she's like, have you seen my conditioner? And uh, she has forgotten to check under the sink. Buffy sits on the bed. And she's like, where are you going? And Buffy tells her that she, she's like, I was going to put this off. But like this nothing might not be nothing. And I'm going to have to stay overnight at the hospital for observation. She's going to get a CAT scan. And you can see the fear in Sarah Michelle Geller's eyes. Mm. She's like, it's only one night. And they say if they see something, it's really early. If they didn't see it before, and that she's going to be fine. And Buffy like painfully sort of puts on her best like, trucking through it smile and she says i know you will but it Mm -hmm. immediately cuts to her 
going out onto the back porch and sitting down and she puts her head down and she starts to cry and it's very very sad mm-hmm. and Sarah Michelle Gellar is a great actress mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, Spike approaches from the bushes and he you know he's intending to shoot her with a shotgun and I love the Buffy hears him like messing with the gun and like getting it ready and she's like what do you want now <laughs> I love that because she's like, Mm -hmm. she is totally not afraid that this guy is going to shoot her. And he's holding the gun in front of her. Right. And so they just kind of look at each other for a second. And and then like, you can see stuff go through his brain on his face. And he's like, yeah, his face, like he really does a really great, like his face softening from like this anger into Mm -hmm. like being concerned about her. And then he says, what's wrong? She says she doesn't want to think about it. He asks if there's something he can do. Oh, excuse me. Yes, that is what she says. <laughs> and she looks kind of confused, but he, she, she just lets him sit next to her, and he pats her on the back, and there's some pensive, gloomy music. The way... Which... Th- so the awkward back pat, but the way he says, is there something I can do, and the face that she makes is so interesting to me. Because yeah. it's like, she's like there's so much in it like she's afraid she's like what the fuck she's confused about spike being there she's just like lost like uh-huh. the way that sarah michelle geller can just do so much with just a look is it should be studied it's it is fantastic and so uh this music that's playing as the episode ends and there's they stare straight ahead it sounds a little i don't know if this is intentional it could just be because it's the same guy writing all the music but imdb said it was okay it's because it sounds a little bit like close your eyes the buffy angel love theme Mm -hmm. yeah so i was like hmm very interesting and that's the end of the episode. It's very, it's a very little pensive and gloomy and sad. But ending. also like this humanizing moment for Spike. Yeah. Where it's like he, he lets go of his rage about, you know, her, you know, like grinding him into dust basically. Uh-huh. And then is concerned about her and, and just there for her. And also because it's, it's, even bigger because we know what she's going through like we know mm-hmm. it's like her mom and like this is this huge thing and he has no idea what's happening right and uh, so it, it even adds it gives him extra credit for things that aren't really rightly his if that makes sense right it's very it's very interesting in like the, it, spike is this like huge scumbag he's terrible to women he's like this awful evil vampire mm-hmm. but and then like any but sort of like you can't really leave this episode with any more doubt as to whether like there is some sort of love for Buffy in him or some sort of redeeming. Cause like quality. Yeah. if he can come at her with all this rage and then it like completely melts away when he sees she's really upset, mm-hmm. like that's not really like a heartless vampire, not lovey thing, right. which is like, so, so sort of like, cognitive dissonancy for the audience to see it is really antithetical to how we've been presented as vampires but if there is precedent for this sort of if you think about back to how um when like with the judge yeah he was like this guy has no feeling in him no humanity but he did say that drusilla and spike have it because they love each other Mm -hmm, i agree and so there is this kind of precedent in the show. You you know, I, I do think it's it's a very 
are an argument that you can make that it's not like ridiculous that he's an evil soulless vampire but also feels love right so it, something it's, for buffy it's just this sort of i i love that they the chip thing is really stupid and a terrible justification for <laughs> spike staying around mm-hmm. but i'm i'm glad that they like kept him around and it's a really interesting way to explore his character because i don't i don't want to believe this guy actually loves buffy i know that like but the way it's performed and the way it's written is really compelling and is like it's hard to deny that there's something there also we know that like you know orbs of thessala aren't necessarily just like all over the place but people are buying them for paperweights but yeah like willow could definitely do the reinsoling spell like we know that it works and then but then like that's well i guess they don't a hundred percent know that it works but like they have a lot of evidence that it works yeah and then and then it becomes another one of those things where you can't think too hard and too long about it because then you're like well we just need to give all the vampires their souls back and you we shouldn't be killing them (laughs) and that's like what yeah it's a thread that you might get and then it then you get too far into the weeds but anyway that is the end of the episode a very i really love I don't know. The experience of watching this episode is fun and I do enjoy it. And I like every time getting to see these first spike flashbacks. It's not like my favorite episode to just like sit down and watch through. But when you're doing like a watch through the show and you're trying to think about it as like a whole story, it's just, it contributes a lot to the show. I'm a sucker for flashback. Mm -hmm. I I love backstory for things. I really like, knowing why characters are this way and i love it when it's done the way this is uh-huh where there are these callbacks that are like subtle isn't the right word but like aren't on the nose like super like low-hanging fruit type things mm-hmm. and there's this narrative like what you talked about about how like maybe spike inflated his reputation mm-hmm and how history can get kind of contorted through time and retelling and how like Giles said Spike is William the Bloody because of he, how many people he killed and uh, the, his reputation for stabbing people in the head with railroad spikes or whatever. And then it, we hear it come from this context of like this different story and like explaining the way mm-hmm. that people feel and then the cool bookend of Cecily saying you're beneath me. And then Buffy also saying it to him Yes, and him being obsessed with both of these women as a human in one instance and vampire in the other. And I don't know. I think it's really good. I agree. So on a scale of one to 10 stakes, how many are you going to give it, Zach? I gave it a nine. A nine. I'm also going to give it a nine. I think it's a fantastic episode. No the point five. No point five. There wasn't a f- nothing point five worthy to me in it this was episode. 8. There was no Terra, and then you gave it a nine. No, yeah, there <laughs> was no Terra. No Terra yet again. Nope. <laughs> They're like Terra's part of our family. We love you, Terra. Get out of here yeah. for an episode. Get the fuck out of here, you lesbian. <laughs> Do we? Uh, ha- we haven't seen Terra patrol or anything with the Scooby. I don't right? think. I don't think so. Yeah, that's still sort of not a thing. I don't think. Yeah, she just kind of sometimes is around for Scooby meetings. Mm-hmm. All right, so two nines. Now let's go to the MVP. Who did you MVP? This is another tough one. Be- I'm going to give it to Don. 
Because, <laughs> like, nothing, there wasn't really, the, we're getting into this more and more and more, especially in season five so far. There have been a lot more episodes that break the, uh, the like, the template for a Buffy episode. Like, there wasn't a big bad here. There wasn't a, or excuse me, a little bad. <laughs> there wasn't a monster of the week in this episode for them to kill. Well, there, there wasn't, was, like, a big... Was, um white snake vampire yeah but, but it's like he was just kind of like another vampire he wasn't really was, part of the story it was just incidental that he I, was a threat i okay i gave it to spike uh-huh because i mean this is a spike episode yeah absolutely and because it's sort of like a spike's greatest hits of like kind of his two biggest victories as a vampire mm-hmm. over past slayers and because of his insight into what's going on with Buffy. Yeah. And I'm not crediting him too, too much for doing the uh, simple thing of not murdering her mm-hmm. at the end. Um, like, I think the show wants you to give him a lot more credit for that than he actually deserves. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think Spike's insight into the situation and his, you know, learning about his story and everything. I gave it to him. Uh, yeah, and I'm giving it to Dawn just because she does a good job keeping her fr- mom from worrying too much. Dawn was a solid support character in this episode. Yeah, if if she was only on screen for oh, a tiny seconds, bit. Yeah. Uh, and she uh, gave a convincing lie with her nail polish experiments. Yeah. All right, Zach, uh, it's time for you to give us a brief queer analysis of this episode. What you got for us? So there's kind of a lot of things that, you know, I think queer people could relate to. There's a big one about... Um, which is kind of Spike's whole thing this season, but is unrequited passion. Uh-huh. Like being super in love with somebody and them just not giving shit about you or like not being into you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how many gay people out there, queer people have crushed on some straight person mm-hmm. from afar, especially w- if you're, you know, like in the closet and don't feel comfortable expressing who you are in public and with, people openly um that whole idea of like you know i love you but you don't even know i exist type thing or you you don't think of me in that way at all Mm -hmm. um type thing um a really familiar tune to a lot of us me especially um (laughs) and um then also there's these kind of ideas of like being overwhelmed and like without trying like not to get too dark but like you know in the queer community self-harm and suicide are big problems Mm -hmm. and i do think that is running that is a huge like almost overtone i would say right like more than under it's bigger than an undertone yeah like it's a tone whatever (laughs) in this episode Uh of like wanting to die Uh uh-huh and basically like wanting to give up because of your life and because of who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that is like, unfortunately something that a lot of queer people have to struggle with and, you know, hopefully overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there are lots of resources out there for people who are struggling with that. I mean, I know I have, um, I haven't, you know, utilized the resources, hasn't gotten to a point where I felt like I needed that. Um, but I mean, I've gotten close. And, um, you know, there are hotlines, there are, in, you know, bigger cities, there are gay and lesbian centers, Trevor Project, all kinds of places out there to seek help. And 
Um, I think it's important to avail yourself of that if you get to that place. Absolutely. And it's important for us to try to be as aware as we can and as supportive of each other as we can. Mm-hmm. I know that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree with uh, all of your uh, little queer analysis takes. I also want to point out uh, bullied, artsy, uh, bullied, artsy, <laughs> shy kid. Right, so, right. You know, yeah. Obvious parallels there. Very much so. And, uh, yeah. You know, some gay people are bad at art, and that's fine. It's okay. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Like, I always tell myself I want to write something, and here I am, 34 years on, haven't written shit. (laughs) Um, So, now let's move on to Gayest Moment. Effulgent. (laughs) (laughs) Hope you heard Zach just laugh into his cup there. Use of the word effulgent. Yes, Um, I'm just writing effulgent. That's it. The gayest moment is effulgent. Your heart having a bulge in it. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of actually, uh, I think, contenders. I already talked about Walrus Mustache Man. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I already had this whole thing in my head about how like uh, that guy is a closeted gay man who is into William oh. and uh, is bullying him because he actually wants to fuck him. Effulgent! Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I wrote Angel versus Spike. Angel versus Spike. each other. Solid, solid yeah. second the, choice. The threat of penetration. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Zach, do you want to tell people where they can find us now that they've listened to this episode? <laughs> <laughs> now that you've been through this, um, that is oh, I didn't it. mean it to sound like that. <laughs> that is it for Fool for Love. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and if you are like a listener and you haven't hit the follow button, I know like sometimes I do like start listening to a podcast and it just kind of pops up in my mm-hmm. recommended page or whatever because I've listened to it. If you could make sure to actually hit the follow button, that would be super cool. Um, and it's helpful for us for kind of spreading out and reaching more people search engine optimization uh, and <laughs> yeah thanks help us spread our legs and oh yes um support us by leaving a five-star review and rating on apple Podcasts or spotify also very helpful um and you can follow us on instagram and tiktok at buffy gaze pod yes you can also reach out to us through our email at buffy at gmail.com leave us any kind of message you wish on any of our platforms yeah. please share us with your friends uh, and interact with us on social media send us messages and tell us your takes on stuff tell us if you disagree with us etc etc and quite often i want to say kyle is more on top of like answering the emails than i am because mostly because he like sees them and then like immediately and then gets to them and I don't see the notification because or I leave them for weeks on end. We share, <laughs> I'm we share the email account obs and uh, you know. Anyway, I just want to say that uh, it brings me a lot of joy when I get to read them and see them, even if like it's Kyle sharing it with me later after he's read it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's great. We we appreciate hearing from you guys. Yes. Yeah, so join us next week for season five, episode eight, Shadow. This has been Fool for Love. Till next time, I'm Kyle. And I'm Zach. And we are your Buffy guys, baby. Buffy guys, guys. happy slaying. (laughs) Why don't you come on and listen to our podcast sometime? Oh, goodbye. It's a a deep (laughs) radio personality, Mae West. (laughs) Yes, it is. Uh, Goodbye. Uh, Bye-bye.